Hello and welcome to another episode of our Brothers Creed Podcast, where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers, and I'm Jared. And I'm Ethan. Today we're going to be talking with Nick Anderson. He is uh, a lawyer. We kind of break down uh, several different types of, I guess, uh, instances in your life where you might need legal advice. We talk about, uh, he initially got in uh, through uh, personal injury and did a lot of that, but this podcast, this episode is mostly based around estate planning. Uh, We talk about kind of the future, we talk about uh, probate, which is, you know, after someone has passed away or, or, you know, hopefully potentially doing a trust or a will before anything happens. So it was really interesting and in kind of getting a simplified version of what is the best strategy for your situation. Yeah, and obviously, you know, it varies by state and obviously country too, uh, but he just gives some good general advice, uh, or well, typically not advice, just good general knowledge about what maybe somebody with, you know, husband, wife, kids, uh, might want to be doing as far as planning for the future. So it was a great episode. Let's go ahead and jump in. All right, let's do it. Spartans, what is your profession? Any man who must say I am the king is no true king. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare. If I can change and you can change, everybody can change. Let us all unite! Let us fight for a new world! A decent world! Okay, all right, we're here with Nick Anderson. Nick, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, glad to be here. Uh, Nick is a a good friend of mine. He is a lawyer extraordinaire, and uh, we're excited to have him come talk about some different estate planning things and maybe get some good tips on how we can plan for our futures. So, again, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. So, Nick, if you could start out and just give us a little bit of background. Uh, I mean, how how did you kind of get on the path that you're currently on? And maybe how did you get to the point to where you've kind of specialized or kind of gone into one specific direction? Yeah, that's a loaded question. A lot of things, I think, led me to where I'm at right now. Um, But the way that I got into law school was... I didn't know what I wanted to do in college, as I'm sure most people don't know what they want to do. Um, I was taking uh, a lot of pre-medicine classes because I wanted to be a dentist, I thought. My dad was always like, doctor, dentist, or lawyer, you take your pick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was just kind of feeling it out a little bit, and I would get decent grades, in science classes, you know, I'd get, uh, in like biology, chemistry, you had to take all those. I would get like, you know, A's and I get a B every once in a while. You just can't really do that. When you're going to go to dental school, you got to get pretty much A's. But I came across these history classes and I, uh, did really well in them. And there was a American heritage class that I was in and it was like 800 students and everyone talked about how terrible it was. And, I literally had like one of the best grades in the class and I just thought it was fun. I didn't really try that hard. Um, but particularly one thing in there, uh, I learned about was, uh, John Adams and his trial defending the soldiers, the British soldiers. Um, and I came across a book by David McCullough, um, 
John Adams was the name of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you guys may have heard about that. I mean, Dave McCall is one of my favorite historians. Um, I just read a book by his about the Wright brothers. And then you guys did a podcast about the Wright brothers. Yeah. Yep. Um, but anyway, you know, that, and there's an HBO series on oh, John yeah. Adams and it literally changed my life. I was just like, this is unbelievable. Like the, the series was incredible. I felt like, um, that gave me a little bit of confidence to go be an, a lawyer for whatever reason. I don't know. I just knew that if I got decent grades, I could get into law school and history came easy to me. Because it's basically just reading things and then spitting back out information. Precedent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just listen to podcasts for history now. Like, so everyone's a history major at this point. So anyway, I got into law school that way, and uh, you know, went to Gonzaga Law School up in Washington State. Everyone knows them because of the basketball team, um, which was which was great for getting hired. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was uh, during the time when it was a little bit hard to get hired. Uh, you know, between 2012 and 2015, I think it started picking up by the time I got out, like jobs, mm-hmm. especially for like professionals. Um, and I went in Vegas. I was practicing in Las Vegas um, at an insurance defense firm, which was not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be on the plaintiff side. Um, so I did that for about a year. And then there was a few firms that wanted you after that. So yeah. I went to PI really, we call it PI. It's not private investigation, it's personal injury and, you know, attorney acronyms. Am I talking too much? No, you're good. Okay. No, you're good. Go ahead. All right. No, this is, that's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I loved it. I loved it because it was really competitive and you get paid by the case and it's like a chase and it's a game and you get a, um, you, you do help people and you're fighting against the insurance companies and you're fighting time, against, which, big, are the, which are always the bad guys. Yeah. And everybody thinks they're funny. They just have funny commercials. They suck. They nickel and dime everybody and they oh, try yeah. to manipulate everybody. Robbie in, blind. Yeah, absolutely. And they try to send you a couple hundred dollar paycheck and close you out and be done. Oh yeah. Um, and meanwhile you're stuck with like a bulge disc in your neck for the rest of your life, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I did that for a couple of years and then I just in networking ran into somebody who pursued me pretty strongly. I kept saying no. And they finally offered me to come down here, um, to be a partner with, with them. And so I came back and I grew up here in North Carolina. So I came down here and we partnered up and we mainly do personal injury. Um, I've grown a little bit weary of just doing personal injury. Um, so, you know, like you guys are really intellectually curious. I, I get that way too. And I got to kind of stimulate, you know, my brain activity doing a lot of things. And, you know, you can only read so many just books. So you want to do other things too. Um, so I, I started down the path of like estate planning Um, I also got into a little bit of probate, which we'll talk about as two separate things. Okay. Um, just completely two separate areas that are kind of indirectly related. So that is kind of how I got started doing this. I've probably been doing this for a couple of years now in estate planning. Um, so I've done personal injury way longer. Uh, you know, I've probably been practicing seven years now, I think. Nice. But Yeah. yeah. 
that's good, man. Great, great backstory. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, for personal injury, uh, does this include obviously car accidents, but does it include any type of personal injury? Like if I slip in Walmart and I'm like, oh my gosh, there was a, they didn't put carpets out. Yeah. No or what? I heard a story uh, on the radio about the guy who went into Walmart and he tripped on a nail or something like that. And then it was like, he ended up winning a lawsuit for multi millions of dollars because the nail ended up being like, tr- had tetanus on it and he lost his whole leg because of it and it was like they proved that they didn't sweep the aisles at the right time and so he won a huge suit against him yes <laughs> do you do any of those <laughs> yes uh walmart's particularly aggressive in their litigation um they which you would think i mean there's a big corporation they're gonna add you know aggressively defend their rights which they should mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, if you can prove that the right procedures aren't being put in place, then there's a problem. They're inviting yeah. people into the premises, and if they have tetanus nails laying on the floor that are going to lose limbs, you know, you don't yeah. want your wife, your kids, you know. Stepping on that, yeah. Your grandma. We had a, uh, <clears throat> it, it wasn't a personal injury, but uh, at Walmart, we do like the Walmart grocery pickup, and the person that was putting the groceries in the back of the our SUV, like, I don't know what they were doing. They were playing basketball or something, but they ended up putting the milk in like upside down and it leaked like almost three quarters of the gallon into the car and all underneath the, the, the carpets and the floorboards, like all the way up to the driver's seats. And it smelt horrible. I mean, it was like in the middle of the summer and it was just, it was terrible. And so we called them. We're like, look, you you know, you guys put this thing in there upside down. You know, it's like it's one thing to squish the bread, but it's another thing to dump a whole gallon of milk all over the back (laughs) of the car. And so um, I I ended up going out and getting quotes to replace all of the carpets in the whole car. And it was like thousands of dollars. Um, And then we we had submitted a claim and the guy was like, yeah, well, uh, whatever you submit Basically, he said, just make sure it's under $3,000 or it's going to be like a huge, you have to like go to court and all that sort of kind of stuff for it. He was like, but under $3,000, we can just, uh, we can just write you a check. And that's odd. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was weird. And so luckily the, the cost to repair this stuff was like, it was like 2800 bucks. Oh, okay. And so they sent us a check for $2,800. It was just like, I guess if it was under that threshold, they don't even have one to spend the time to deal with it. It's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes they, you know, they got to take into account how much it's going to cost to hire an attorney to go defend it. Yeah. And so they would just pay you at that threshold. Okay, if it goes over that, then we're just going to go ahead and pay an attorney to defend. Yeah, yeah, that know. makes sense. But it was just interesting. That is interesting. So you got it all taken care yeah, of. Yeah, we ended up, I ended up. The, I mean, the car was out of commission for a while, but we ended no, up. No, it wasn't. You were right down the highway with your windows down. Oh, you man, it were... was. It was. It was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. And so we ended up taking all of the the um, the carpets out, having it professionally cleaned, yeah. and um, I ended up having to like scrape out. There was like this plastic molding stuff that actually like soaked up all the milk, so I had to scrape all that out. Uh, ended up not having to replace all the carpets, but, um, and we had to get professionally detailed and, and it was, it was a big job. I mean, I personally spent hours and hours and hours messing with it. All right. Note to self. If we do grocery <laughs> pickup, yeah, check yeah. the milk, but it exactly. doesn't, but it doesn't smell anymore. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. That or I'm used to it. <laughs> uh, so one of the things you mentioned was the, the different, you said wealth, estate planning and probate 
are kind of two different things, but they're similar. Maybe let's start on on probate. Could you give us a sense of what probate is? You know, for the layman, assume that I'm a kindergartner and I'm nothing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, probate is when the death occurs, right? And we call them the decedent, the decedent's estate. Um, you have to go administer the estate because the person who owns all those assets is the decedent, right? So you're going to have to go transfer title of all those assets over to whoever it is that is entitled to it based on the will. If there is no will, it's intestacy, so it's going to be according to the laws of the state. Um, so probate is the second half of it. Estate planning is for you when you're alive. Mm-hmm and you're planning everything out. Um, I'm glad that I did both because, and this is neither here nor there, but um, you kind of see how it plays out with what you're doing. Like there's only so much you can say when you're just looking at a paper saying, well, this is what this means until you've actually seen it play out in court. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, So it is two separate laws. It's based on the same laws, but it's two separate areas of practice. So a lot of people can be estate planning lawyers and not, practice in probate and it's Mm -hmm. actually litigating in probate. Well, it's not litigating. Sometimes it is. Um, but a lot of times, you know, people come out of the woodworks. Oh yeah. You know, and there's always some will from somewhere. Um, and so you kind of got to be prepared for that. You ever happen to get your fraudulent will? People with who fake wills? Well, I think so. I, well, I've had wills that have been just drawn up by somebody that aren't valid. Mm Mm-hmm. And you just got to weigh the cost of whether you want to litigate it or not, because you have to file a caveat action to contest it. And it's expensive and the client's going to have to pay you to go do that. And you got to, in probate, we bill by the hour, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, anywhere from 250 to 450 an hour for an attorney. It's expensive. So you better make sure you win something and you can't guarantee results to somebody Um, You can say what you think and what you advise based on law and past experience and you're the expert. But um, so probate is administering the will or whatever it is. If there is no will, it's intestacy. Mm -hmm. So testate, meaning there is a will, you've you've given a will, Mm -hmm. you've given instructions. Intestacy is if there's not. And so you uh, go in and you get an executor. That's one of the questions in here, Mm -hmm. I think. An executor or a personal administrator is the person who's designated in the will to do it. Mm-hmm. They have to be qualified. There's a bunch of qualifications, and then you have to get letters from the judge. Everything in probate has to be issued by the clerk and approved by the clerk. And it's why does this go through the government? Just well, why is it even? Who, why is the system set up that way? That's that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I think you know, because prob- they want their cut, or uh, you know, probate. This is going to go back hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, probably into you know, yeah. England. I'm sure, yeah. You know, so I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I didn't research that far. <laughs> you didn't put you that in the prompt history. here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's to supervise, to make sure that executors aren't taking advantage of people, that people aren't taking away from the true beneficiaries who should be entitled to the assets. So the court, the judge is always an intermediary. It's the same way in a regular case. They're going to be there to decide whether you know, to make sure procedures are followed, to to make sure that people aren't being taken advantage of, and also give an opportunity for people to have justice or their day in court. Mm-hmm. Um, who who pays for it? I mean, is it the estate that pays for it, or the executor, 
Or could some random person hire you to say, I want to be in on this will. I should be in on this will. Or Yeah. So those are all good questions. Um, it's the estate that pays for it. Um, the executor, it depends on if there's in the will, you could say, you know, I don't require my executor to post a bond. So the reason why you'd have to post a bond would be because it's a lot on an executor to administer the will properly. So the executor goes and hires an attorney because they can't do it on them on their own. I mean, they can try and maybe they can in small estates, um, but they hire an attorney and that attorney is paid through the estate. The attorney is actually one of the first, you know, few on the list of order of who's paid, Mm -hmm. you know, funeral expenses at the top, uh, attorney, then like debtors, Mm -hmm. you know, with the state first, the state debtor is going to be first. This is, North Carolina laws. Yeah. So if uh, oh, you forgot to do your caveat. I, I did. This is not I did. Legal advice. Go this, ahead. None of this is legal <laughs> advice. Uh, you got to check with your state that you're in, and I'm just giving generalities here. But I practice North Carolina. That's where I'm licensed. Um, I'm actually licensed in Nevada too, but it's inactive status. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's who pays for it, and. Uh, there can be people who come and hire another attorney and those are like the interested parties. So if it's mm-hmm. like a beneficiary, like the nephew who was promised this or they're named this in the will, they'll bring it to an attorney and make sure that their interests are being represented properly too. Yeah. So kind of yeah. so, Carol Baskin situation where she had her like this will created that wrote the, the guy's uh, old ex-wife and uh, daughters off of the will like after he was dead or something like that. And I think it's eaten by a tiger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, with uh, how does this work in practicality? So let's say Grandma Susie dies in the middle of the wood. She's and, you know, just out in just some small town somewhere. Okay. And her son and her daughter... Uh, and then one of her brothers, who's got a key to the house, he comes sometimes comes and drops off groceries. She dies. He goes into the house. He grabs a TV. He grabs some old guns. Uh, he grabs uh, the four wheeler key and takes off with the four wheeler. And he says, "Oh yeah, she's. I sold that for her. I sold it, or I'm going to sell it for her, for the estate. She gave it to me." And then, you know, who's the executor? Is it the uncle? Like, who does the estate decide is going to be the executor? And how can you guarantee that that person is actually going to be? like give a full reckoning of the assets. How how does this work in practice and actuality? Yeah, those are good questions. Um, So this is why I don't love probate. (laughs) 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 And I actually only have a few probate cases and I'm trying to get out of them, Uh, not get out of them, but finish them up. Yeah. Um, Because it just gets... Kind of like family law, you know, yeah. where things just get wild, wild west a little bit. I feel like that was, this would happen all the time. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about little, you know, uh, tangible assets. Uh-huh. Like we could tangible meaning like you can touch them. Yeah, yeah. They're just your personal property. Uh-huh. Intangibles are other things like stocks and stocks yeah. and, you know, real property is different from yeah. tangible property. Um, so, you know it's just going to be up to the family a little bit and up to the executor or executrix is Multiple if it's, if it's a woman. Oh, um, okay. yeah. And so it'll be, it'll be up to them. I hope I'm right on that. I'll sound really dumb if I'm not. <laughs> we'll fact check. <laughs> yeah. I need to fact check. <laughs> um, it sounded cool though. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's going to be up to that 
executor to kind of make sure that things are going properly. So if they're going to go in and say, all right, well, I am the fiduciary person for this estate. Mm -hmm. I know that somebody came in here and took these guns that were worth X, Y, Z, you know, based on this. I mean, if they stole something, they stole it, right? It belongs to the state. So you just kind of have to go about it probably in like a approach that will be, uh, you know, financially mm-hmm. viable. Well, I imagine that, you know, when people die, you know, people's you know, come out of the woodwork and, and, and people turn into ravenous wolves to devour yeah. the, even what little <clears throat> estate there even is. I mean, yeah. even down to the, down to the penny in some cases, uh, and we've had kind of an experience with that. Yeah. But uh, it's like, you know, I'm sure you see families get absolutely, someone dies and everybody just is, it destroys a family. Yeah. So the question is, how do you avoid that? Yeah. Right? What could Grandma Susie have done? And maybe that maybe that transitions maybe a little bit into the, the estate planning yeah. side of things. What could Grandma Susie have done to... To avoid the confusion after she passes away? Well, I think, you know, obviously estate planning is something we're going to talk about and get into, but I know some of these questions are like, what are some other things you could do as well? Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things especially is you could keep good records of things, like if you own a business. You know, I had a hypothetical, let's give a hypothetical scenario here where, you know, you start a business and uh, you have X, X person being the vice president and Y person being the treasurer and you file that on your, your corporate taxes. And then, you know, the next year it's somebody else who's the president and, you know, you got to make sure you register it in the right state and you, you keep it going, keep your business going mm-hmm. and re-registered and up to date. But like, Hypothetically, you get you get some the person dies, right? And then the wife is like, "Well, I'm the owner because I was listed on the tax return as the owner." But there's no records in the business to support that. Mm-hmm. So, there's no transfer of assets, stocks, there's no corporate uh shareholder meeting, there's nothing mm-hmm. that would show it. It just is going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight because the person that the person that started the business and was the president, uh, their heirs or whoever it is are going to complain that it's theirs, right? And not the not the new spouse that they were married to, who's now listed on the corporate tax records, right? Yeah. So this isn't really estate planning; it's just keeping your records yeah. um, organized and established. And if you're changing ownership or hands, or you're doing something to avoid taxes or to capitalize on your taxes, you got to make sure you keep the records right in your business. Um, hmm. that's a scenario we've run into. Um, that's just been a mess. Yeah. Um, there, you know, that's something. So obviously what you can do is you can, you know, uh, estate planning and, and estate planning is traditionally people think of it being, you know, I don't even know if people think of the term estate planning. Is that like a term that people think of? I've just been in this for so long. Is well, that what you'd I call think it? That it depends on kind of what level you're at. I yeah. Mean, most people would say, well, my estate is this four-wheeler and a couple guns. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe they might not view it as an estate. I think most people think of like a will. They'll think, oh, a will. will. You That's know, estate planning, that. yeah, or, or death, like, what is it, like 
What, what did you what would you call it, Ethan, when you were selling stuff? Like end of life planning type of stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean when it comes to like funeral expenses and stuff, pre planning yeah. and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I think too, because most people come in and they're like, I need to update my will or I need a will. And you know, a will just puts the case just puts it into probate court when you pass, right? Like so you avoid a few things with the will. You avoid uh, it just going to the laws of whatever state you're in, right? So your heirs at law, it's generally probably going to be the same, right? It'll be spouse, then it'll be kids, then it'll be parents, then it'll be brothers and sisters after that, you know? Um, so if you know, if that's the order you're going in anyway, then there's not really much to do with a will, right? Because if that's yeah. the order you would want it to be in anyway, right? If, if you're spouse is alive, you want to go to your spouse. If your spouse predeceases you, then you want to go to your kids. Yeah. If your kids, if you have no kids, then it goes to your parents. You know, if you have, if your parents are dead then it goes to your brother, if that's how you would naturally do it, then you're yeah. not doing a ton by making a will. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because it's still going to go. Because the state would push it that way anyway. Into court and probate and the state would push it. It would just go to the laws of intestacy according to whatever state you're in. Right. Okay. But who would, let's say you have minors as kids. That is when you would absolutely need to have a will, right? So you're okay. right. And that's the situation where, you know, you guys have kids. I yeah. have kids. You need somebody to be appointed as your guardian, and you need to have your wishes stated, and you need to have it signed and witnessed and notarized correctly according to the laws of your state. And um, you need to talk to them, too. That's another thing that you do that's... I wouldn't necessarily, I don't do as the attorney, but you need to make sure that you're, whoever you're going to leave knows and is okay. Yeah. <laughs> with that happening. And is okay with that actually happening. Like, think about that, you know? Yeah. And then I would have a backup too, in case that, what if they're not financially in a place or what if they are. Well, hopefully it will be with your life insurance uh, claim, right? Yeah, right, right. That's true. Or something, or, happen- or something if you're, happened to them or. Yeah. Or if you're all like. In a plane all together and the plane crashes, sure. you know, and then it's like, where are my kids go? Or even maybe, you know, if there was a, I mean, I hate to say it, but if there was like a divorce or something and then you potentially wouldn't want your kids going to one of your siblings that's a single parent that's trying to deal with their own kids and figure stuff out or, yeah. that Those are literally scenarios that are, you know, that I would talk about with my clients and I would suggest multiple backups for kids, with, for people with minor children. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about insurance, like life insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we want to get into that now, but um, yeah. So when pe- most people just think of a will, yeah, they're just like, will, well, you know, I, I need a will or I need to update my will. And that's great, you know, but it's cheaper than doing a trust. Um, and it's less work because you just go to the attorney, the attorney does it and you sign it and it's over. Yeah. And that's almost like, I don't know if you guys listen to Dave Ramsey or do any of that stuff. You, you yeah, know, it, yeah. It's just the basic, yeah, you know, yeah. the basic emergency fund yeah, type yeah. thing is how I look at it. Like a will is just like the first step. Yeah. Um, but even when I do a trust for people, I also do a will as well because it's a pour over will. It's for things that you don't capture in the trust or you don't think to retitle. Mm-hmm. Because if you haven't titled whatever asset it is into the trust, then it's going to go into your estate. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a, uh, a will, then you're not going to, they're not going to know where to put that. But in a pour over will, you would have everything back into the trust. So it's like a catch-all. It's a catch-all. Yeah. And then you, as a 
for minors, you would also put who your guardian is and backup successor and successors, you know, a few back. Yeah. So I want to talk about more about the trusts. Yeah. Um, and also about insurance. But I had another question for you. So probate is the idea not to go to court. Uh, I feel like the benefit of going to court would be you have a legal recourse, um, you know, to get the, someone else that's not family, that's not Uncle Buck, that's going to come and just take this stuff away. You have a, someone else who's a legal authority to say, hey, this actually goes here and here and here. Does that happen with the trust? Yeah, I mean, if... Because with the trust, you you don't have to go through probate, or, right? Or what if people, what if a family, like, agrees on everything? Yeah. I mean, what if they're just like, yeah, you know, dad said, you know, there's five kids, everybody gets a fifth, and we all split it up, and we feel comfortable with it, and that sounds good. Yeah, then that would be an easy... Ad- Does estate. it have to go to court and all that kind of stuff? Or? Yeah, if it's not... Yeah, if it's if the assets are titled to the person who died, then yes. Oh, okay. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to retitle it. Right, but in, in North Carolina... Um, this is in North Carolina, real, real property passes outside of probate. So typically the default is if you are married and you purchase a property, it's with a joint ownership with a right of survivorship, which means, you know, if it's you who passes first, it just automatically goes to your your spouse. If it's your spouse, it automatically goes to you. So that doesn't even have to go into court. But a lot of times, you know, that it doesn't work out that way. It's not that clean. It's somebody you buy it when you're single, then you get married or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we can just talk, we can talk. We just kind of jumped ahead. But trusts are essentially to you put more work in now. It's a little more expensive to go get an attorney to do a trust, and then there's a lot of follow ups you have to do afterwards. Because if you go to an attorney to do a trust. They're going to help you create the document. The document is a document. It's signed and it's legal and it's valid, but it doesn't do anything until you put your assets into it. It's just a legal bucket. It's just it a bucket. It's a it's a it's a spot for you to be able to use. And so you have to go in and reassign the title of your home yes. to to name the trust, the Thomas Trust, or whatever. Absolutely. And you yeah, put in the, the J dot Thomas trust. <laughs> <laughs> Just a plug for that trust there. Anything you want to throw in there, guys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, you would do that by um, changing the deed. Yeah. You know, and you'd probably go to a real estate attorney and change the deed. And then you have to record the deed in the county records. So there are steps you have to take. It's not just going to happen. Um, you know, you'd have to look for each asset. If it's personal property, you know, there's a declaration page in the trust. So I say, I hereby assign all my personal property to my trust, you know? Oh, nice. If it's intangibles, that's when you got to get, you got to go figure it out. Like bank accounts, you go into the bank, you bring your trust document, you show the bank teller, that type of stuff. Yeah. And then you retitle it. Um, and you'll have to check in the laws of your state on how to do all these specific things. It's going to be different. Um, so bank accounts, stocks, probably crypto, yep. at least, well, not if you have your own private wallet, but, um, and house cars, yeah, cars. boats, jet yep. skis, anything with a title or yep. a deed with an like, official thing, everything, everything else would just be under the catch all. Well, if you have a catch all yeah. in your deed, why would you need a pour over will? Well, that would just be for the house 
only. Well, the the deed is the you oh, talking about oh, the writer. So the uh, the if you have a catch trust, all for your trust. If you have a catch all for your trust, it says all my personal assets go into this trust. All my pers- you, personal property. Personal property. So personal property are like things like uh, physical e- things. Yeah, like things Four in your wheeler. house. Yeah, furniture. Okay. If you own something by a title, mm-hmm. a car, uh, a house, a deed, your stocks yeah. or other things, then you have to retitle it into the trust. But I just say personal property like my furniture, my okay, shoes, yeah, my, my rings, my yeah, the junk in your house. The stuff in the safe. Yeah. Um, and you may want to specify where that goes specifically. Um, mm-hmm. If you've got something like if you've got guns that you want to hand out to specific people or yeah. something like that. Um, so you can write almost like a will within your trust that's like a will of distribution yeah. What is, is that called something different than a will? You can do a lot of things in your trust. You can specify. That's the whole, that's the beauty of it is you can give all kinds of rules and regulations, however you want it to be. And you put a trustee in charge and that trustee does everything. So for minor children, for example, um, you create this trust, you have named your who's your guardian under the will, you'll still have to go into court and get all that custody stuff done, right? The guardianship done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your life insurance policy, you'll have uh, go to your trust, right? Mm-hmm. Then the person who is in, the trustee over your trust is going to be given a bunch of rules on as to how to take care of your kids, how much to give to the guardians, right? And it may be the same person. Mm -hmm. Your trustee of your trust may be the same person as your guardian, especially if you're going to have them take care of your kids. It doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. If you want a layer of separation, that's fine. And then you can be really specific about how you want to, yes to, you know, four-year schools that are accredited, um, you know, yes for clothes and food and maintenance and sports. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they have to get a drug test, before a distribution is out, right? So yeah. stuff like that, uh-huh. or if they're going through a divorce, don't distribute anything. Yeah. Because you don't want the ex-spouse to get, you know, don't want the spouse to get half. Yeah, yeah. Um, if they don't do this, then they don't get the distribution or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah, interesting. Um, so it can be really specific, and that's what's cool about a trust is you kind of are managing your money after you're dead. And what kind of a trust is this? A living trust? So you asked that question. Living trust just means it's a broad term for different types of trust. So when you create a trust, it's going to be a living trust because it's alive once you've executed it. Okay. Yeah. So it's the the distinctions are revocable and irrevocable. Okay. So revocable means if uh, Ethan, you create a trust, it's the Ethan family trust or last name Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. The Ethan Thomas family trust. Um, You're... You're not going to, you're typically not going to want to make it irrevocable <laughs> because if you make it irrevocable at that point, you don't own those assets anymore. Whatever you put in there, it's its own living entity that has those assets. So they're not yours anymore. So I couldn't go in and be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, it's over. Like it's gone, the money's gone. I mean, I was reading but about the trustee. Can you just take it out again? You're in charge of that vehicle, right? Or does it take approval from you can't, people? You can't be the trustee, a trustor and a trustee of an irrevocable trust. This is getting kind of technical, but you would do a revocable trust. It's more locked in with an irrevocable it's trust. It's locked in, okay. yes. And people do that to avoid creditors. 
So if you are going through a bunch of stuff like a bankruptcy or you know that there's somebody coming after you and you want to do an irrevocable trust, the creditors can't go after it because you don't own it anymore. It's not your assets, but you don't have those assets anymore either, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you wanted, if you were like old and we're going to die and you just wanted to put it there, then um, and you could you put get, it in the name of your children or whatever. And so you could gift it. Yeah. But um, I don't really, this is getting pretty technical. Um, I would have to research these issues out yeah. as we go, but, but a revocable trust, you would, be the trustor and the trustee, mm-hmm. you'd they'd be the same person, mm-hmm. right? And you'd be the first one, your spouse would be the next, you know, or you guys would both be the co-trustees. And then you, it becomes irrevocable uh, when both of you die. So mm-hmm. when the first one of you dies, it goes to your spouse. If you want to do it that way, mm-hmm. you can do, you can get creative. You don't have to do it that way. Um, and then, when it becomes irrevocable, um, that's it's, the trustee who you have coming in after you is going to do everything according to your trust rules. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anytime in a revocable trust, when you guys are alive, you can take it out, you can do whatever you want with it. It's really like it's your money, mm-hmm. um, but you've set up the vehicle for it to become an irrevocable trust when you die. So and, if I have a bunch of, let's say I have a million dollars and I put it in an irrevocable trust or... Yeah, so that it's not technically mine. And then the, I set up the rules before I push the button on this thing that it has to distribute to me $50,000 a year. Do I have to count that as income? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or can I just count that as a gift? Well, it would be, f- it would be from yourself to yourself. <laughs> well, I would know that technically, right? <laughs> they would, you, the creditors would track you down through you'd litigation. Pay, <laughs> yeah. You'd pay taxes on it twice whenever you made it and then whenever you That's right. get paid it again. Well, yeah, and you would want to speak with an accountant when you're dealing with irrevocable trusts. Yeah. Like you almost want to speak to your accountant at any point when you're dealing with trusts. Yeah. I would just put the plug in there for the accountants. <laughs> yeah. that, so, so that was one thing I was going to say. Are there, yeah. are there specific um, uh, tax benefits to doing a trust over just, I guess, a simple will or is it, is it quicker uh, as far as uh, litigation or, or, or I guess no. probate goes? Yeah. So if you're doing a trust, the goal is to not really have to any, do to do any probate. Um, the goal is to have everything titled in the trust. So when you pass, everything's in, it becomes irrevocable and it's all done outside of court. You don't have to pay any attorneys. You pay the legal fees on the front end. You pay them on the front end. It's way cheaper. Um, and the timing is going to be quicker and it's going to be more closed because um, a will is public record. Mm-hmm. And it's out there for everyone. A trust is a private contract document, right? So you're not, it's not going to be out there. Why would a will be public record? Well, it's, it's the court. It's, it goes in, I mean, it's in court. They detail all the assets that you have? Yeah, I mean, your will's in there. Your will is public record. And the, and the amount of assets that you have? Um, I don't think necessarily the amount of assets that you have, but like who it goes to. Unless it's specifically listed in the will. Exactly. Yeah. Unless it's in the document. Yeah. Because huh. if the will just said, you know, so-and-so gets my house, yeah. that's not going to specifically say that yeah. that house is worth $10 million. Or my bank accounts, you yeah. know, or just yeah. the residue of my property. That doesn't describe anything, you yeah. know. Interesting. Um, but you, so you want to have everything titled into the trust after you do that. So that doesn't, that doesn't happen, um, in court, but you'll, you'll always have that pour over will 
pointing it back to the trust so, anyway. Does that even work with like uh, I get rental properties? They'll say I had 10 rental properties. I could just dump them all into the trust. I would want to talk to my accountant yeah. if I did that. Inside um, LLCs, inside trust. I guess it trust. depends on if you're if you're wanting to keep them or. Well, I guess it. Yeah, like LLCs would be something. And this is business law. I don't practice in this, but I would probably actually consult with a business attorney. But you know, you'd. I have p- a potentially make every one of them in an LLC separately. Yeah, separate, yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, I was talking to a guy the other day. Um, and uh, I, I just recently met him. We, we, we've talked several times at uh, work, and um, he does commercial real estate. And I was talking to him and asked him about his personal portfolio, and he was saying that he has purchased um, several duplexes for, like, in the name of his kids. And so it's like the kids have purchased those duplexes, and I guess uh, he... I, as the time's going on, I mean, as the mortgage is getting paid and if there's any cash flow that he's just kind of absorbing that or whatever else. And then at some point it's theirs. Like maybe when they turn 18 or whatever else, it'll be theirs. But is that kind of a way potentially to go around the the litigation of a will or some kind of a, you know planning to just put things in the name of your kids? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's just a gift, but I know there's gift taxes, right? Yeah, I true. mean, you can only gift so much over, over the a lifetime. threshold, yeah. yeah. There's uh, a lifetime gift tax? There's a lifetime gift oh. uh, ex- thing, too, and I don't know what, I'm not, like, off the top of my head, I don't know exactly, but, you know, per year you can gift so much, mm-hmm. and then I think there's a lifetime Interesting. Oh, I have yeah. heard of that before. Yeah. yeah. Like the ultra wealthy, like when they start getting towards oh, the yeah. their life, they just start giving away. Every, it's like, oh, this time of year, $10,000, $10,000, $10,000, $10,000. Yeah. It's like all their family, all their grandkids, because they want to minimize their estate tax as yes. much as possible. Well, and the estate, the federal uh, estate exemption is, is really high right now. It's like $12 million. Um, they're not going to, I mean, it's been hard to whittle that down. Like no, I haven't had any clients <laughs> at that amount. Uh, and then North Carolina doesn't have any estate tax either. So I think back in the 80s or whatever, it used to be way lower. So there was a lot of different creativity going on with trusts and stuff. So I think the tax implications were way more involved back then. And, you know, this could change at any point, you know, with the current administration. They're, Trump, ta- they're talking Trump's, about it. Didn't Trump's uh, raise that limit? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I think... You know, Biden's been talking about lowering it way down, you know. Yeah. Hmm. So there's other things like generation skipping tax uh, types of trusts. And, you know, honestly, I, I haven't gotten into that. Yeah. I would refer that out to uh, uh, state planning attorneys who do wealthy, wealthy clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wouldn't really want to talk about that too much. One of the questions I had is I've, I've seen some stuff on on social medias about setting up a like a corporate, like a family corporation where each member is a shareholder yeah. and this kind of thing. Uh, is this something that you've ever encountered? What it- that question had me stumped. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't really know what we were going after here. Let me look at my notes that I took on that. Where is that at? Uh, it was number question number three. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's probably like I think it's probably because it's more of like a business law. Uh-huh. It might be kind of like that that LLC type thing where each rental property had its own yeah. you know LLC and and 
Yeah, probably more of a tax thing. Around tax I would thing. assume, right? Because if everyone in the family owns stuff, it's it's more transferable, you know, when someone dies maybe or, um, you know, each person owns a certain amount of stock. So for tax reasons, it, it helps. I, I don't know. Mm. I honestly don't know. Is I'd never heard. a very nuanced thing. Yeah, I, I would. That's probably a business law attorney question, which, um, yeah, I just haven't encountered that before. So, so what if you cr- come across someone who just doesn't have any money. I mean, it's just like, they just don't, they just don't have much of anything anyway. I mean, do you just kind of just let the, the family pick it apart? Or let's say, I mean, grandma was worth $10,000. There's small estate administration rules. So, um, there's like a spousal allowance. This is North Carolina. Um, so there's going to probably be similar things in every state. Um, but generally there's like a $60,000 personal property allowance that can go to the spouse. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of bring them in, you gather up their assets, you put it on a form, you go take it to the clerk and you say, Hey, this is, there's $5,000 here. Can we just assign this and this? And you get the clerk to stamp it. Um, and so then if there's creditors, then you can say, uh, there's a deficiency here and the spouse so the spouse gets sixty for sixty thousand, so you have to just eat it mm-hmm. to the creditor. So you'd want to do that for uh the spouse. So if they owed a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt or something yeah. like that personally. Yeah. They don't get that. They don't get the five thousand dollars. Oh, okay. So it protects vulnerable what little amount there yeah, is. Yeah, what little amount there is. And then there's other things. Um but yeah, if somebody comes in and it's on the estate planning side, I'll just be like, well, a simple will. I mean, I would just do a really simple will and uh, try to get it done for as cheap as I can, you know, and just put together a quick, simple will. If it's if you What know. about these like online legal, legal websites zone. that are like, yeah, you know, do a, a will for a hundred bucks or something? Yeah. I mean, I would tell them, hey, if you don't have that money, go to LegalZoom and do it, you know, yeah. or do it on your own. Write it down. And it's called a holographic will. I mean, you can write down your own will and... You sign it, like get it notarized or something? I mean, yeah, yeah. Do you have to get it notarized or does it just depend on the state? <sighs> oh, man, I didn't, I didn't look. I would have to just check my outline, but there's holographic wills. Okay. And you can you can write down your own will, and it is valid, Um if you write it, you sign it. I don't know the actual, off the top of my head, I don't know the actual rules, but it's really important to follow the actual rules to get a will valid. Mm-hmm. So just make sure that you take a look at that. Um, but yeah, I, I had somebody call me the other day that was like, hey, I need to update my will. And he went through some of his stuff with me and he, he was using, a, he used LegalZoom and he was like, it was crap. It was garbage. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do it again. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're going to pay for what you get, you know, and if you don't want any advice and structure and creativity or somebody to just listen to you until you don't want a will, you in fact want to trust, you know, or, yeah. um, or why don't you do this first? Um, you know, and you're not going to, they're not going to really talk too much about your powers of attorney, which are super important, like your financial and healthcare power of attorney or, you know, your quote unquote living wills. Um, which are different things. We haven't talked about that. But. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, I guess one thing I just, I, we're kind of getting near towards the end here. So I guess oh, one man, question. Time has passed. It does. Uh, one of the things I, just generally, let's say, you know, just for a guy like me, I've got several kids, young kids, uh, 
I'm married. Uh, I have several assets, stocks, uh, a few cryptos, which are down right now, but they'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> Today was brutal. <laughs> and uh, so what would you just off the shelf, uh, general, someone generally in that situation, what types of things would you recommend? I know you just had barely recommended. You said, oh, a few different types of trusts. Uh, yeah. What would you say? Uh, I would say with what you just told me, it was probably a trust I would recommend. Um, and just a revocable living revocable trust. And I would tell you to title assets in your trust. Certain things you don't need to, like a life insurance policy is already kind of a trust. And so you're going to name a beneficiary. So anything that you have to name a beneficiary on, like maybe like a 401k, you don't, that already is going to go. You don't need to title it. You don't need to retitle that unless you want to. So if you titled your life insurance policy to Ethan, um, but he wasn't the guardian of your kids, right? That would be a little funky. You wouldn't want to do that. You yeah. would you would want to title it to your trust because mm-hmm. that would be who um, you would want to administer those rules according to the trust to take care of your kids. Yeah. So you just have to understand where you have who you have being your guardian and where whether you want those that distribution of that whatever million dollar life insurance policy to be according to some rules or not or you just want a whole big payout to somebody i mean that's yeah, yeah. If, it, if it's your spouse maybe yeah, yeah. yeah. and then your spouse maybe but it maybe if you and your spouse something were to happen at the same time yeah then i'm guessing it would go to your kids yeah but then what one of your kids it's 10 years old is going to get a million dollar check that that they can't even do that it would go to um the guardian there's there's rules i think on on that uh utma i think is what it is kind of like age restrictions and stuff yeah so it would go to a guardian and in that scenario you would need to have it go to so if you have a life insurance policy you probably just need to have a trust and if you have kids um, yeah, interesting. So I would just recommend it just off that, but then you have more assets that you're talking about and you're going to acquire more yeah. as you go and it's just going to be yeah, more. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> more and more important um, to to have the trust in my so opinion. So, you know, just generally, you know, we got we got listeners uh, from all around the world, but generally, uh, what uh, would this cost someone? I think that's very state specific mm-hmm. and very region specific within the state. Like a Charlotte or Raleigh office is going to charge more than like a Fort Mill office, a Fort Mill office, or even like a Salisbury office. Yeah. You know, um, huh. I think uh, are they going to do any better of a job? <laughs> probably. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. I don't know. That, that's going to depend on the attorney. You yeah. know, but. Um, Maybe they'll be more familiar with like your type of business or something if it's within the city. I don't know. But um, it's also going to depend on, you know, some attorneys charge by the hour. Like if it's a complicated trust, they're just going to start charging by the hour versus like a flat rate or something. Um, yeah. Do you have to have an attorney to assign things into the trust or is the is the attorney just like the setting up of the bucket and then... I can do all of the assigning on my own. You can do all the assigning on your own. Okay. Yeah. And I like I'll work with people and just say, Hey, if you got questions, just call me about it after we set up the trust and like, you know, I can point you in the right direction. Or if they wanted me to do it, you don't really want the attorney to do everything that you can do because then they're gonna charge by the hour. Um so you know, attorneys can have their paralegals do things too and charge it a bill at a lower rate as well. 
Um, it's just going to depend on the attorney, the firm, how complex it is, uh, how long they've been practicing, how, you know, their reputation. These are all serious considerations and like the price of it. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you check on a lawyer's reputation? Well, uh, there's like certain things like, uh, their ratings on like super lawyers, AVO ratings. AVO, uh, what, is that a website? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, peer reviewed ratings. Um, also, just like Google reviews. I mean, everything's becoming yeah, super but those, transparent. Those can be mostly faked. Anybody yeah. can fake a Google review. Yeah. Well, like, so in the financial, they have like a, in the financial realm, they have like a, a broker finder thing, or like the FINRA has a thing you can go up and you can put in your broker's number. And you can see if there's any been act, any actions against them. Yeah, I don't know if there's something similar for lawyers. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you can go onto the state bar website and probably find that. But um, yeah, that's not how I would find an attorney. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, for doing some kind yeah. of trust setting up a trust, though. I mean, that's not you're, yeah. not, you're not going to court I, or anything. I think really that, that I think that it may be maybe for you to just feel comfortable with them and feel like they understand what you're talking about and, yeah. and understand your situation and can connect with you. I think that might be one of the better things. And then just make sure that, you know, I would still make sure and check online that they're, they seem legit. Yeah. legit. I check their website if they, you know, and if they don't have a website, they're super old school, check with some people that know them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's really about your connection with them. I think it always is about relationships. Yeah. Um, Plus practicing without a law, law license is a crime, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> very good well i think this has been some great advice uh yeah, obviously there's so much not legal about. advice not this legal. has just been this talking. Is a great uh, conversation yes yeah exactly yeah thank you for that correction yeah uh but it's it's good to just understand you know what maybe financial uh considerations i should make so thank you for that but one question we want to ask you that we always ask our guests at the end of the podcast is a little bit about your personal creed uh we're all about creeds on the show. So a creed is a set of beliefs or principles that guides one's actions. And this could be a quote or a mantra or a scripture or anything that life advice. Uh, we'd love to hear a piece of your personal creed. Feature that with us. Yeah. I, uh, I liked this question. It kind of made me think, I think it makes you focus on, you know, you try to boil it down to your true core. Um, you know, I don't really do, well with like personal mantras or quotes or inspirational things or books, business books that are the one all answer to everything that if you do this, you know, so I kind of felt like my beliefs would be more like, uh, relationships like we just talked about. So my relationship with God, my relationship with my family and my relationship with society. So friends, community, that type of stuff in that order. Um, so I think that's kind of my creed and I think, uh, relationships and people are more dynamic than just maybe like could be answered with a belief for just one, one thing. So it's just going to be moving. So I think my, um, kind of my actions are based on those relationships and my, you know, kind of my movement. Um, Another thing, though, I will say that, you know, you guys made me think about this um, just with this question. It's a good question. I'd say another thing is uh, balance. Um, I see a lot of people just kind of they go all out in one thing or one, one part of their life and then they get burnt out. 
and you talk to them the next year and they're like, oh, I, I'm not doing that at all anymore or I got exhausted with that or whatever. And they just go up and down. So I always try to <clears throat> work on all aspects. So, you know, kind of like our church is, is kind of pushes this, but yep. I don't want to just push my spirituality and I don't want to just push my physicality and exercise. I don't want to just push my career, which a lot of people get stuck in. I got stuck in that for two years in Vegas, three years in Vegas where I was, I felt like it was the only thing. And like, if I was failing at that, I was failing at everything yeah. and it was completely untrue. And yeah. I didn't figure that out until I got outside of that. And I was like, Whoa, they had me stuck in this. I was like basically a rat in a cage, just running and running, running smashing pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> um, Despite all my rage, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I just try to keep, the you know the balance in that so that kind of would be like my personal mantra i i kind of do like to view things in balance so yeah that's it yeah i love that the other day we were on a, a conference call and it was like one of those get to know you questions they're like what skills do you have that you can't use at work and i was like the majority of my skills <laughs> <laughs> i was like almost everything in fact i think it I've got so many other different things that I'm that I'm doing right now. I was like, uh, shooting skills, uh, nunchuck nunchuck skills, skills <laughs> uh, computer hacking skills. <laughs> and like, I was like, there's so many other things I do, like the podcast. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just like, I use only a fraction of who I am as a person at this job. That's why sometimes I feel like I'm unsatisfied at, at work. I feel like I, I could do something much greater. Much, yeah, uh, can't really waste the potential. You know, jujitsu at work. Sometimes yeah. you probably wish you could. I wish I could. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I love that. I, and I really liked what you said about relationships. I mean, that's, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of different creeds on the podcast and I mean, each one of them has been just really awesome in, in their own way. But I just, I really like kind of the importance of, of, uh, you know, not so much looking at, at things or, or moments, but relationships and, yeah. and, and how that affects, affects your life. Yeah. From kind yeah. of from the top all the way to the bottom. Yeah. And they change you and mm -hmm. what you're thinking about too. And you know, what you view as important when you meet somebody who's super interesting or something, it can kind of change what you're doing anyway. Yeah. yeah. And the people Absolutely. you surround yourself with yeah. is kind of a accumulation of who you are or who you, who you will become potentially. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, Nick, thank you so much. Uh, I want to do, I do want to give a shout out. We do have listeners in North Carolina and you can give legal advice to North yes. Carolina. So uh, do you have a website that, that people can check yeah. out on? Yeah, Curcio Anderson Law. I mean, you can Google us, Curcio Anderson Law. That's our website. Um, personal injury, estate planning. My partner does criminal defense, you know, traffic tif traffic tickets and that type of stuff. So You guys are in the Charlotte area? Yeah, we're in Matthews. Okay. Um, but Charlotte, for those of you who don't, don't really know the area, but... Very good. Well, thank you, Nick. And for the listeners, appreciate you uh, listening today. And you can follow us on social medias, and uh, we'll post in some different uh, uh, clips of the episodes. So thanks for joining, and let's build that creed together. All right, let's do it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, thank Nick. you, guys.